Hey guys, it's me, P. And me, S. And you're listening to the Girl on Girl podcast. But it's not what you think. But also, it's kind of what you think. Okay, here's the deal. My name is Persis. I'm queer, Indian, femme, and a little over five feet tall. And my name is Sarah. I'm straight, white, cis, and a proud ginger. Every episode, we're going to talk about sexuality from a queer perspective, from a straight perspective, and what it means to find the fluidity between the two. We're going to talk about taboos, labels, dating, awkward moments, pop culture icons. We're also going to talk safe sex, self-discovery, discrimination, and what it means to be a queer minority. So I was on a call today with some people that I work with and I like just kind of started working with these people and out of nowhere the one girl on the call said Sarah your voice should be on like the radio (gasps) and I was like um that is like the nicest comment I've ever received in my life and or compliment sorry they all started talking about how I have this like amazing voice And I was like, in the back of my mind, I was like, I have a podcast, (laughs) but I didn't say it for some reason. But I did say like, I've always felt like I have vocal fry or like valley girl kind of edge to my voice. And they were like, no, not at all. Like radio voice. They said I had an authoritative voice. Uh, That's actually a really good way to describe it. I was going to say you have a very authoritative voice because when I listen back to our episodes, I find you're very, you're very easy to listen to and you're also believable to listen to. So when you're spewing the facts, you're very leadership role, you're you're owning it. And that's what makes a good radio personality. You should you should definitely tell them about girl on girl because how cool I will. would your coworkers think that you are the leader of a gay podcast? I'm straight, but I'm the leader of the gay podcast. Yes. <laughs> the, the gay podcast. Oh yeah, I'll tell them eventually for sure because should I tell should I tell our listeners about my exciting news? We have some very exciting news that we've been waiting to tell the girl <laughs> on girl crew. Should we have- Okay. Wait. I was talking about my exciting news, but I think <laughs> <laughs> But oh, no, but no, no. We no. also have exciting news too. Sorry, I'm such an asshole. Yeah, you're a huge bitch. Listen. Listen. <laughs> I know Sarah's exciting news. I wasn't sure if she was going to broadcast that to the pod, but I forgot that we tell everyone everything anyway. So, Sarah. (laughs) I just kind of feel like the pod might care. Yeah, they will. They will. They might not care in the least, or they might be like, cool. Okay, tell them. Okay, and then we'll tell them our exciting news. Yeah, baby. Yeah, babe. I mean, you guys can probably guess what it is, but we'll leave you in suspense for a while longer. So... My exciting news is, I don't know if we've really talked about this before, but when I'm not talking about gay shit with you guys, I am a writer. And up until this point, I've had my own business. So I've been writing for clients in all sorts of different industries and just having a grand old time. However, I've decided that I'm going to accept a position writing for a drum roll, please. Lululemon, baby! And the crowd goes wild. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Who is she? Lulu. What do we want from her? Lemons. Oh my god. Oh my god. I have a lemon tattoo. See, it was meant to be. Wait, hold on a second. I got a lemon tattoo about five months ago. Five months later, I'm moving across the country to work with Lululemon. Manifestation, it was work. I manifested that. Oh my God. I'm actually just realizing this right now. I manifested that. Purse. Want to know the funniest thing? Tell me. You get a bit of a British accent there. I want to know the funniest thing that I did. (laughs) Yes, I do. I just tattooed $100 million. It's a tramp stamp. Uh, (laughs) 
<laughs> Can I see? Sure. Oh, wow. It looks really good, Paris. <laughs> Thanks. So maybe my dreams will come true. But Sarah, that's actually, that is manifestation if I've ever seen it. So that's it works, crazy. Guys. That's crazy. I actually did not realize that until right now. But yeah, anyway, I don't know if you guys will care, but I just felt like sharing that with you. It's some exciting news because I am going to be moving across the country living in Vancouver. So listeners from Vancouver, holler at your girl, Catherine, looking at you, girl. And that's my exciting news. But Girl on Girl has some even more exciting news. Guys, so we just wanted to announce that we received a grant. Wow! Wow! Sorry, I feel like I wasn't very excitable. We received a grant. A grant. And you know what that means, ladies and gents, and everyone in between? What does that mean, Purse? It means that girl on girl can actually, you know, pay for stuff. <laughs> we can actually pay. We aren't just two broke girls anymore. We can pay for things, and um, we don't want to give away too much. We might have given you guys some hints on the live, but we definitely have some fun items. Wink, wink coming down the pipeline that we think you guys will love. Yes, and just in case anyone's curious, this grant was awarded to young people in Toronto and the GTA who are trying to make a difference in their communities in um, in some type of way, in any type of way. And so we applied as Girl on Girl, Persis being a queer Indian gal pal, using her platforms like Girl on Girl to create representation and create a community. So we're going to be putting the grant towards a ton of fun stuff, including creative partnerships, initiatives where we can raise money for donating to queer organizations, and some other fun stuff. So if you guys have any, I don't know, any suggestions for things that you think we should be putting the grant towards, let us know. We already have a plan in place, but we would love your thoughts on queer organizations that we should be considering or queer people in your community who we should maybe partner with whatever it is if you if anything comes up for you right now that you feel like maybe we should know about dm us we're always here to chat yep we're very open to it and that is something that we've been wanting to do for a while now and i think just given this opportunity we really think or we really feel we can actually put it to action and it feels really really good so yeah as much as this is a fun podcast for us like you know getting together every week we have the best conversations we still know there's so much like actual tangible work that needs to be done within the community. Yep. So we're like, let's, let's do it. We're spreading awareness, but what can we actually do as two lovers who just want to make a difference in this world? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And we should say thank you to Canterbury Foundation and the Spring Grant for, for this grant. That was, it was them. God bless them. And we can't wait to put this money to good use and make even more of an impact than we already are because we're making a massive worldwide impact at this current moment. Lesbians, it's happening. Oh, and you know, everyone else. We got and some straight listeners. We got some straight listeners. We got some lesbians. We got some bisexuals. We got some pansexuals. We got some non-trans. We got some trans. We got what some asexuals. <laughs> what, what was the last thing you just said before trans? I said non-binary. It sounded like mayonnaise. We, we got some mayonnaise. mayonnaise. I actually do have mayonnaise. Do you really? Yeah. <laughs> I actually don't have any mayonnaise. It's vegan mayonnaise. Not really my jam. Oh, I know that stuff. You know the stuff? Yeah, of course, stuff. of course you know the stuff. It was a kink. <laughs> Purse, don't air our dirty laundry on the podcast like that. Okay, I'm sorry. It's just hard because I'm going to miss my dirty. baby when she moves across the country. The country. And that also means that we're going to be in different time zones. So, y'all, we're going to be just, you know, we're going to make it work. It's an LDR. You got to make it work. You do. And the most important things about LDRs is communication and making sure that Sarah and I, I've brought this up to her before. <laughs> what? When she drops off, it makes me feel really oh. upset. See, she doesn't care sometimes. See, we're going to talk about this after the pod. <laughs> we got some issues. <laughs> oh, my God. Anyway, Purse, we got a really interesting topic today that one of our incredible listeners suggested to us. And um, I'm actually really excited to dive into it because I think that a lot of people will benefit from just 
hearing this conversation and maybe continuing the conversation with their peeps, you know? Yes, agreed. Um, I actually never even thought of this topic. And it's funny because it's a topic that I actually really relate to because everyone, <laughs> we're going to be talking about <laughs> being queer in the workplace. Yes. And Persis is both queer and someone who has a job. Yes. <laughs> so, so she relates. I really do relate. But I also think what is interesting is when we get into this mailbag that we got from our listener, they brought up a lot of valid points that I never even really considered. And I think that was just maybe me being a little naive because I feel like, at least in my experiences personally of being queer in my workspace, I've never actually felt any personal struggles, but um, exactly what they were saying in their notes, I was like, wow, this, this is obviously a worldwide issue. And especially over the last couple of years, it's been so apparent that there's still so much work that needs to be done within companies and the medical field, all that. So Sarah and I are going to dive into this, but I would definitely love to read out this note from our listener and we will give them a nickname because they, or a code name. I keep saying nickname. Yeah. I feel like we say nickname a lot, but when our listeners reach out to us, they always say code name. And so I think they're telling us that code name is more fun and they like code name better, which I couldn't agree more. Like, it's like they're spies and I'm into it. Okay. So what should their code name be? Okay. Their code name should be Marina. Marina. No more bubblegum. No more bubblegum no, and no more sharky. I feel like we should go back to like, not normal names, just like more traditional names. I mean, you're actually very right because um, every time we try to talk about <laughs> bubblegum or sharky, <laughs> I, we could not stop laughing. But we love you, Bubblegum and Sharky, because y'all know who you are. But I feel like Marina kind of suits this. So Marina says, hey, guys, first of all, I just wanted to express how much I appreciate your podcast. I love all of the topics you have covered so far, and I always find myself reflecting on your words. I'm in love with your relationship. Honestly, love your banter. And I could probably listen to you talking about anything because you're both so charismatic and feel like a friend to me. Oh, OK, first of all. Marina, we're in love with you. So if you're interested. Oh, Sarah. I'm just returning the love. Okay. Well, interested. Okay, Marina, I guess you're joining the relationship. That's right. Marina goes, okay, enough with the compliments. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It goes to our heads. Some background info about me. I'm a 20-year-old woman. I live in Poland and identify as bisexual. I haven't come out to my parents yet, but I feel super comfortable with my queerness around my friends. The issue I wanted to bring up is being gay in a workspace. I'm currently studying medicine, and I can't help but think about how my sexuality can affect my future career. For instance, I think about how maybe some of the patients with prejudice wouldn't want to be treated by a gay doctor, in quotations. I'm simply scared that my sexuality will negatively affect my career. It has gotten to the point that I try to convince myself to date guys, even though I am more often attracted to girls, because I am aware that it will be easier, quotations, to live a life with a man since it is socially acceptable. Sometimes I feel like I'm even betraying the LGBTQ plus community by choosing to ignore the gay side of me. You have talked a lot about queerness and family and friends environment, but not so much in the workspace. I think it is more it is a more complicated matter because if I come out to someone and they don't accept me, I can simply cut off ties with them. Well, it's not that simple, but you know what I mean. And when it comes to your job, it feels like you have more to lose. Basically, I wanted to ask if you have some advice on how to navigate relationships at work so that they won't, they won't negatively affect a person's career. I would love for you to cover this topic and share your experiences. Maybe I will be able to see it from a different perspective and stop stressing about my career being ruined before it has even started. Um, and want to give a shout out to Fletcher. Watching your reactions to her music videos gave me so much joy. Yes. Lots of love, Marina. Marina. Aw. Uh, wow. I was really impacted by this story. Yeah. Not only is Marina wondering if she should stay closeted to um, not jeopardize her career, she's she's wondering if she should just be with a man. Yep. You know, she's, it's, you know, it's going a little further than just staying closeted. It's like, maybe I should just ignore the gay side of me. Which is so sad because clearly Marina is saying, you know, identifies as bisexual for sure. But when you feel like you 
based on societal norms that you're like, this will just be much more accepted. It'll be so much easier. Although I know I'm more attracted to women. That just always breaks my heart because we've talked about this so many times on the podcast, but I feel like it's so much more common than we think for people to kind of just say, this is easier. I'm just going to go for it. Even though you know that there's this inner part of you that's so deep and so real, but you can put a bandaid on it and just go with what's accepted. So whether you feel like your coworkers will accept you, you're, I know Marina saying they're comfortable with their friends and their queerness, but hasn't come out to family yet. It's really scary. And sometimes I think I forget for myself and my own personal experiences, how difficult that can be because I'm always so like, just be yourself, live your life, live authentically. But it's, it's tough. We face so many pressures and totally. And when you, when you are fortunate to have a support system around you that completely loves you unconditionally, and not only that, but champions your queerness, it is definitely hard to, it's not, I'm sure you're, it's not like you forget that this stuff happens, but I think, I think it's more so like, it's hard to, it's hard to read the actual, someone's actual personal story and see the reality of it. Um, like staring back at you from a page, like this is Marina's reality. And I think when it comes to your work life, I think Marina made such a good point. Like, yeah, with friends and family, you can kind of manage that relationship however you choose to. But with your career, like this is your career and you these are your colleagues or your um, managers, your, you know, superiors. This is your livelihood. It's just a different relationship. You you sometimes don't know how certain environments are going to act. And I know it's easier said than done where I feel like you wouldn't want to be in a profession that wouldn't accept you. But the thing that really hit me with Marina's story too is working in medicine if patients are going to be uncomfortable with a gay doctor. And that's kind of out of your control because that's not your work environment. That's not other doctors you're working with and your your coworkers who you're around. It's like, can a patient refuse to be treated by you because you're gay? Totally. Totally. And it happens. So we're going to, we're going to dive into this, but um, I spoke to two of my best friends who both work in healthcare. One is a paramedic and one is a physiotherapist, but she has worked in the hospital and worked really closely with nurses, um, doctors, surgeons. And they both echoed that there are patients who will refuse service or refuse care from a nurse, a doctor, a paramedic, anyone, a support worker, um, if they know that they're queer. Um, same thing with minorities. There, there are racist patients who will refuse care from a black doctor, for example. And they, and you know, they are both. Both of my friends are young women working in healthcare and have seen it happen firsthand um, in their workplaces. I will say they said that it was mainly older patients. Okay. And it doesn't that doesn't really surprise me. I think of course there's homophobia no matter the age group, but I do think the younger generations are much more accepting. Um but it's happening and it's happening right now and they've seen it with their own eyes. <sighs> That's so awful. Yeah, it is. And I'm not saying that I I really don't want to say that to scare you Marina like I, I really don't want that to like deter you from a career in medicine. They also said that there are a ton of pockets. There's so many different types of fields in medicine. And they said there are a ton of pockets within um, healthcare where um, people can feel more safe, people can feel more supported, where there, there are um, more diverse groups. My one friend was saying that medicine is actually one of the most diverse populations in the hospital, just just in terms of race and sexual orientation and all that jazz. So just to clarify, I'm not saying any of this to scare you. I'm just saying like that is the reality for so many queer people who want to work in a field like medicine where, I don't know, it's it's maybe a little different from working in the arts, for example. Right, right. It is, it is definitely much different. I, I didn't even think about it in the field, but it's, that's super important. And there was actually some research I found on um, queerbio.com Cause I just wanted to see like how, like what is the percentage of like actual like self-identifying like queer practitioners in medicine? And yeah. they're saying it's like 
This report actually suggests that finding doctors who are competent to care for LGBTQ patients is actually becoming much more difficult because like they don't have wow. enough like knowledge of the community and whatnot. And obviously like LGBT individuals suffer the same medical conditions as like any society. It's not oh, like- Oh, they, you do? Well, there is one thing that I suffer from that you wouldn't, Sarah. Oh, what is it? It's called being a mother effing queen. <laughs> yeah, I've never heard of that one. Doctor, um, doctor. Doctor, I feel sick. <laughs> so that's the only thing that they didn't highlight in the article. I can't believe they didn't highlight that. Yeah, because I definitely don't have that condition. No, it's it's treatable, but I just got to find the right doctor. Doctor. <laughs> doctor, daddy. <laughs> okay, listen, I don't need a daddy. You know no, who no. I need? I just really need a mommy, okay? Yeah, I know you do. Um, and you're also a mother effing queen, so. <laughs> so anyway... All my LGBTQ fellow peeps back me up on this because we all suffer from this terrible condition. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I'm so sorry. It's okay. I, I, I have it now. And once I get treatment, I'll let you probably, know. You'll probably still have it. Life, lifelong condition. You can't, you can't shake it. <laughs> you can't shake it. But anyway, yeah. The, the article just reads like a large part of this is because few doctors identify themselves as knowledgeable of the community, and few hospitals have programs to train staff about the characteristics of the LGBTQ community. Yeah. I think that's really bad. Well, it's horrible. So this was also echoed by my friends who work in healthcare. I asked them, do you feel like there's support for queer people, programs, initiatives, anything like that? Both of them were like, nope, not, not at all. And I think this... And we'll talk about this, but I just wanted to mention it really quick. I think this, Marina, if you're listening, is a perfect example of why you should not veer away from your dream of working in medicine just because you're bisexual. Because you have a very unique skill. And I guarantee, I guarantee this is going to be a huge asset moving forward in fields like medicine. If you understand the queer community, if you are queer and you represent that subset and you can provide care for queer people that maybe someone who's queer might not be able to provide that's going to be an asset girl that's going to be a skill you're going to be sought after for that and I think even if you're not sought after for that that is more than enough reason for you to work in medicine because queer people need you Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to turn you into like the heroine but queer people need queer people in these types of fields they just do oh for sure even I was thinking that I would love to like go to my LGBTQ plus doctor. Oh my God. How safe and supported would you feel? I already feel so safe and supported when I just even meet another queer person. Totally, so it's like, totally. I could only imagine if someone is like my doctor, my dentist. There's like a connection there sometimes. And I think especially when it comes to something like so vulnerable, which is your health, we do need that support. And I think like moving forward, we definitely need more representation for LGBTQ plus physicians and there needs to be more awareness within the hospitals. So exactly like your friends had even pointed out, there should be programs to train others. I'm surprised that there there isn't. Yeah, there's programs in place to teach teachers, for example, about LGBT communities and how they can better teach their LGBTQ students. Yeah. So the same, the the same thing. <laughs> it's the same thing. The same thing. It should be applied to medicine. It should be applied everywhere. But um, I think it's just happening slowly. You found another stat that said that two thirds of doctors report having heard derogatory comments about the LGBTQ plus community in the workplace, and one third had witnessed discriminatory care of an LGBTQ patient. I know. I don't even want to know what that would be. One third purse. One third. One third. Mm-hmm. I bet you. I mean, I'm totally throwing this out there without any prior knowledge. But I guess I guess I'm saying I wonder what percentage of that one third is towards trans people. Mm, probably a very high percentage. Because it's healthcare and that is so intrinsically tied to 
in society to trans people. Yeah, totally. That is those stats just just killed me a little bit inside. It's the world we live in, Sarah. Specifically, sorry, talking about LGBTQ plus medical students, we found in this article that 30% of these students who identify as LGBT in Western countries and two thirds of gender minority students hide their sexual identity during medical school based on the fear of discrimination. So once again, it can be discrimination that they probably feel from other students if, if they're in medical school. And then eventually how Marina explained, like you're, you're worried about your work. You're worried about how this will affect your career when you're actually in the field and you're working with patients and you're working with your other doctors. It's like, this isn't the same thing at all, but I'm just trying to think of it from like my straight perspective. And I'm kind of comparing it a bit to like, if I'm in my job and I have to like openly disclose my sex life to people. Mm. I think one of the reasons why this is such a struggle in the workplace specifically is like, you're not supposed to talk about your sex life in your work. Like that's a very personal thing that you're not supposed to discuss with your colleagues or your bosses or anything like that. Right. It's like taboo. That is like a, that's like base level. And then you add on top of it being queer and having to disclose that. And then what that might mean in terms of discrimination. It's like a, it's scary. Yeah. No, it is. It is. That's so true. It's like, it's almost that there's so many things that people already have questions about when they find out you're gay. Yeah. Yeah. And people will ask those questions. Like you've experienced that purse. People won't shy away from asking questions that aren't really like appropriate to ask in that environment or in that time or whatever it is. Oh yeah. There's no, it would be no questions if I said I had a boyfriend. I've definitely gotten a lot of like, oh, I'm seeing a girl or I like this girl. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Like, yeah, it's just, I guess, I guess something that we should probably say if we haven't said it yet is Marina, how you're feeling is completely valid. Like, that's what I'm trying to say is like, the stuff is scary and it's your career and it, you take it very seriously and it's something that you're currently working towards building. And so... I just, in case, like, in case you didn't know, I just want you to know that you're valid in feeling these fears. You're valid in having these questions. You're totally valid in wanting advice and seeking advice. And I'm sure there are so many other people who are in your position right now, have been in your position or will be. Agreed. And we really, really appreciate you bringing up this topic to us because it's so important and all these stats are very scary. They are. They are. But the reason why stats are good is because that's the past. You know, that's like, that's data we've gathered so far. And now we can change that data, right? Now that we know that things are bad, we can work towards making them better. Yes. Oh, agreed. And that's the thing. Maybe we needed that little kick in the ass to like, (laughs) to get us to do some work. But this is something that I saw that I feel like would be cool to highlight too, is that like in this environment, having LGBTQ mentors and role models definitely play an important role for patients. And there's not much knowledge of these role models. Um, Apparently, like, you know, we even know that it's pretty non-existent. I wanted to highlight a few of the role models that um, this article did include. So the first practicing woman physician in Scotland was a lesbian, Margaret Todd. Wicked. I didn't know that. The first practicing woman physician in Queensland, Australia was a lesbian, Lillian Violet Cooper. Lily. The world's first transgender president of a medical staff at a hospital is Canadian. Carrie's Massarella. Sick. American physician Tom Waddle. Sorry if I said that wrong. Waddell. Waddle. Waddle Waddle. Waddle Waddle. Waddle. Um, Founded the Gay Games. Did you know what the Gay Games were? Never heard of it. I didn't know what that was either, so I Googled it. Yeah. Um, the Gay Games is a worldwide sport and culture event, cultural event that promotes acceptance of sexual diversity featuring lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender athletes, artists, and other individuals. That's so cool. I want to go. And then Britain's Florence Nightingale. What a name. You know Florence Nightingale. I don't. Girl. Oh, she's a legend. I don't know. Legend. Wait, I don't know who this is. <laughs> She's like an icon. She's like a feminist icon. Oh, okay. Well, I love that. I love that. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to know her just because she's an icon. Now you know her. Well, you know her and now I feel left out. I'm sorry, baby. 
Wolf Warren to make you feel left out. Created the nighting the nightingale, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> she created Oh my god. The nursing um, profession. Yeah, she did. I love that you found all the like and these are just like some highlights, right? Like of course, of course medicine is is full of queer people. It's just a matter of like how they're identified and what they face in their day-to-day job. And maybe it's not a lot of discrimination or maybe it is. Like I think it really depends on so many factors including what field of medicine they're in, where they live, the community that they operate in, all that jazz. I agree. And I'm I'm excited. I just I want people to feel first and foremost just comfortable. And I don't yeah. want anyone to feel like they need to change the way they identify to feel comfortable in the workplace. That is not mm-hmm. okay. You mm-hmm. should be able to be you, love who you love, and still feel accepted. 100%. Wish it was that easy. Wish it I wish, I wish it was that easy. I wish, I wish upon a star. But you know what? It's okay because we're working. We're always working. And Marina, girl, you're working. We might go into this later, but I just feel like do not do not shy away from your gay side. Do not. Girl. Girl. Do I, I actually like pray to the heavens you do not shy away from your gay side because the gay side is the – it's so fun. Once you embrace your gay side, then you can have the mother effing queen condition. And listen, that shit is for life. It is for life. It, it sticks with you. I know I said I was trying to seek treatment from a doctor. Doctor. But only if it's the right doctor. I'm sorry, but the diagnosis is life. Did you just become my doctor? Yes. Oh, my God. Yeah, I know. Your headphones look like a stethoscope. Yeah. uh, (laughs) They actually kind of do. I wish you guys could could see it. They actually do. I am Dr. Johnson paging Dr. Johnson to, to not cure this fine young gal. <laughs> rolled in to the doctor's office. Rolled out. I basically rolled on in. They were like, do you want a job? Yeah. You're like, hey, I have my like, stethoscope sure. already. Yeah. I just needed a stethoscope to be a doctor. That's it. That's all you need, guys. Did you go to school? No. <laughs> of course not. Okay, Sarah. Well, I wanted to talk about my experience with being queer in the workplace. Yes, please. Obviously, this differs from the medical field because I think it would be interesting to dive into just companies in general. Um, totally. I work I work for a marketing agency. The agency is full of full of young people. It's a full of culture. It's it's progressive, right? And I and I always knew that right the moment I actually really stepped into those doors. I was like, this is a cool space. I was 21 years old. This was back in 2017. Started as an intern. And definitely I did notice throughout the time that and I still notice that the company is definitely making massive efforts to show public gestures towards like pride month through their brands showing support making donations not wanting to be one of those brands that is accused of rainbow washing which sarah and i have gone into multiple times like as a company you really need to be aware of that and Mm -hmm. i've been proud at least enough to be involved to kind of be that voice to make sure like that doesn't happen or voice my concerns if if i feel like it is going in that direction I wonder, I actually feel like I remember when I was an intern, I I never felt any, I never felt any like discriminatory nature from any of the people who I worked with. Like I said, it was very progressive. It's a very young crew. I didn't personally know a lot of other LGBTQ people in the office at that time. This was back in 2017, because like we've even talked about again, it's something you almost like need to talk about. You can't like assume someone's sexual orientation right yeah we always just assume straight unfortunately that's just Mm -hmm. kind of what it is the percentage is just higher but I remember someone I was working with at the time so we were talking about like personal life type of things and I think like at that point I think they were trying to ask me about any like boys I was dating you were like nah or like oh are you seeing anyone and I was like oh I'm actually like really interested in this girl and I remember the one girl, she was like, oh, like a girl, a girl, really? And like, but no judgment, right? But it was just like, okay, that was kind of like my first taste of it. 
And then through that, throughout my years of being at this place, I've definitely made it more vocal publicly on social. And like now we have the podcast. So it's very known. I'm a very gay human who works at this agency. Yes. And I love it. Yes, me too. But one thing I did want to speak about just in general, not specifically my agency, but just for companies in general, just when doing this research, obviously there is a lot of progress of companies trying to be that voice for the LGBTQ community. But I think there's like also a growing case of like, there's a lack of actual inclusion of workers at a company, like LGBTQ plus workers. Yeah. And I think there needs to be like so much more work towards that. And I think it needs to be like a companies like really need to look at who they're hiring. We need to look right. at our percentage of like, we need a more like diverse crew and we need to, we need to make sure we're hiring queer people because totally not going to lie. I think a majority of companies are very like white influenced places. Right. And I of think, of course, that, yeah. Yeah. It, yes. Without a doubt. Yeah. And I think it's going a direction where I feel like people are really trying to um, make that more known, but it's, it can definitely like make you feel a little bit othered sometimes for sure without even realizing it. hundred percent. And I've seen before situations where a lot of companies will default into tokenizing in their tokenizing. Yes. Company and the minorities. But if we're speaking just about queer people, like that queer person is embraced, but the time when they're embraced the most is when we're having Pride Month conversations or when, I don't know, like when I worked in the music industry, there was one queer person in our office who openly queer. And whenever there was like, like a queer artist or so, like any, like a queer, like a queer song or something, you know, someone might say something to him about it or get his opinion or, or something, which I don't think is a bad thing. Like, I think it's important for queer people in the workspace to be able to talk about queer stuff, queer art, queer issues, queer politics, all of that. But I think it's so easy to like tokenize that person and make them feel othered by doing that. Make them feel, just remind them constantly how they're the only queer person in the office, for example. So I agree with you. I think it starts with hiring practices. But as someone who is queer in the workplace right now, and not specifically your company, but just any company, what do you feel like might be helpful for companies past the hiring process? Like with the, like whatever, whatever um, employee base they have right now, no matter what the diversity of that company is, like what can companies do other than the hiring process to start to include queer people more? I think like hosting like workshops and stuff like that is also yeah. like, would be really, really vital. Maybe even going into queer history, things like that for people to just learn more about the community in general, because I feel like there's still so much to learn that a lot of people are ignorant to. It's hard to say because I feel like you could also, if all these, if the company all of a sudden starts like hosting all these workshops, I feel like it could be a bit of an eye roll because it could feel like, yeah, okay, like you right. feel like you have to do this because like, look at this day and age, but right. like what we have to do. But I always wonder that, like, what's the line? I think this is where like rainbow washing comes into place too, right? Like what's the line between doing it for show and doing it for impact and doing it for the right reasons and doing it for the not so right reasons? Like, I feel like it, it can sometimes be a fine line. You can put, you can put all these initiatives in place and it might make the queer people in the environment feel yeah, even more othered or kind of eye rolly or like it's yeah, it's tough. Well, maybe another thing could be like just getting out of the hiring process is making sure queer people do feel valued because when I was doing just some research and I think this was this was based on like US stats. Um, so according to women in the workplace research, LGBTQ plus women are more underrepresented underrepresent underrepresented. Oh my god. <laughs> than women, generally in America's largest corporations. Just four openly LGBTQ plus CEOs head these corporations, one of whom is female and none of whom is trans. Wow. So I think it's like, it's kind of true. I feel like you can feel a little isolated when you're not really seeing like queer people in those higher up positions. I do think it's very rare to see queer directors or like queer CEOs. Or it like is. 
it's rare, right? I mean, it's mm-hmm. there, but it's, it's, it's there, but it's rare. There, but it's rare. So I don't know. I think like maybe really making that conscious effort to yeah. make sure that those, those individuals are actually like being shown their worth and being compensated. And cause you can, you can probably feel like I'm not good enough or I'm not, I'm not like my, uh, fellow straight white counterparts. Totally. I think we've said it before and we'll say it again. Representation matters. It doesn't matter how many ways you spin it. Representation is the thing that's going to show more queer people what they can be, how they can be, show them the possibilities of like, you can be the CEO. You can be in a leadership position. You can work in medicine. You can be a brain surgeon. And But, they, but the representation needs to be there. It really does in order for queer people to know that. And more important, well, not more importantly, but like maybe equally as importantly, for companies to notice that, for companies to make the effort, um, like it's going to take some, it's going to take some pioneering companies to do, start doing it first, you know, putting queer people in positions of power, putting minorities in positions of power, which we're seeing all over the world, you know, we need to see more. But I think there needs to be like, the representation is the only way that companies are going to keep doing that on a larger scale, I think, is if they're like, oh, we see, this sounds ridiculous, but we see queer people in positions of power and they're killing it. Um, and that's just, maybe that's something that corporations need to see with their own eyes. And it's ridiculous, but maybe that's the way forward. Representation, it right? It is. And you're going to want to work for a company where, where you see that. Yeah. And you found this quote. Oh, yes, I did. Which is awesome. By Stephanie Huckle, who is the Senior Global Program Manager of Diversity and Inclusion at Reckitt. What's that? Reckitt. Reckitt Ralph. Reckitt is a British multinational consumer goods company headquartered in England. She said this, 50% of non-LGBT workers don't think there are any LGBTQ people at their workplace. I guarantee you they are wrong. And even if they're not wrong, they don't know for sure. Unless someone has been very direct and honest. I love that. I think that could not be more accurate. And that's that goes to show though, right? Like even me, anyone who I had literally at my workplace, that where I work now, where I had to express I was queer because I had to be honest about it. I had to be very direct and honest for anyone to understand. No one's going to see me and assume she gay. So it, it's very, it's very true. It's like, why do I, I don't know. I don't know. It's just, it, that's just something I want to like, eventually, I just don't want it to exist anymore. I just want us to just not assume anyone's anything. I know. I know. And obviously that's our, that's our future. I was going to say that's our utopian future, but I think one day it'll happen. Um, I don't think it's like unimaginable, but you're right. If, someone in your workplace is working next to you and you you haven't told them that you're queer and they haven't heard it from anyone, they're just going to assume you're straight. That's just that's just the fact of the matter. And they're going to think, oh, there's no, there's no um, LGBTQ people in my workplace, maybe. And meanwhile, they're sitting right next to one. I think as much as I wish things weren't assumed, purse, I think it is probably important for like, it, it's the representation factor. Like it's important for queer people, queer people to be stating like very openly that they're queer so that people, so that people understand and they can see it. That's very easy for me to say as a white straight woman. But I definitely think like you being open about your sexuality with your coworkers is incredibly important. You're right. And I'm, I'm happy to do that because I think it is a part of me and something that I've love talking about is I, I I talk about everything publicly like there we like look what we're doing right now um no, you're a very public person <laughs> there's like no topic off the table for you there's no topic off the table I don't I don't get afraid of that stuff so you know what I I just hope it does I mean I think it's making a difference in some way even in our little world our little bubble and it's only going to get better but you're right I I do agree that the more queer people are open and talking about things honestly it just won't be a question anymore I feel like the burden always falls on it, the burden always falls on the person who's getting discriminated against in the first place. Like now, so if I was queer, I'd be like, okay, so I'm I'm already like 
going to be going to brush up with homophobia just throughout my life and on top of that I have the burden of having to be open about my sexuality just so there's representation in my workplace and I feel like that might cause some like frustration or resentment for me if I identified as queer but it's gonna create change it's going to create change it's like would you rather create change for the future generations and I think the answer is always yes um we're gonna be in the history book Sarah oh do you think well do you think Girl on Girl will ever be written in a history book? Yes. <laughs> yes. Get a tattoo. I want, I want my kids. History book tattooed. If I ever have kids, I want them to one day open, well, there won't be textbooks, but they'll open up their iPad or whatever. And it'll be like, in 2021, Girl on Girl, the world-renowned podcast, won the Academy Award for podcast film of the decade. Podcast film, eh? Yeah. We're going to make a podcast film. Don't at me about what that is just experience it for yourself when we release it we'll drop the date soon we're gonna have a whole film about girl on girl like an like a movie like an actual like actors acting as sarah and i it's an adult film it's a very adult film we're just warning you (laughs) think below her mouth i still haven't seen that but i i know i know what you're uh winky winking about purse i think To end this off, we should probably circle back to what Marina was actually asking us was advice. Like, do we have any advice for how to navigate relationships at work and and how to do it without jeopardizing your career? And I think first thing that we'll both say is that we're not in medicine, so we can't speak specifically about how to navigate that industry, but... I will say personally that I have not experienced having to navigate the workplace as a queer person. So I'm going to pass this over to the expert herself because I am in no place to give you advice on that particular experience. Well, that's fair. So I'll take this one. <laughs> I'm not I'm not trying to put you on the spot. I'm just like I am not the person to give advice. I'm here to support, but like I have not experienced this firsthand and persis you have. Yeah. My advice for this would be and exactly like Sarah said, I, I'm, I'm not in the medical field, right? I work in marketing. I work in a... Imagine if you were a doctor. <laughs> Can we imagine? <laughs> I think you'd be a great doctor. It would just be like, I wouldn't expect it. You'd walk into my room and I'd be like, Persis, you're performing surgery on me today? Open heart surgery? And then you'd rip out my heart like you always do. I would, but then I would mend it back together like I always do. Oh, that's cute. It's called toxic. I'll still have the scars. Yes. Honestly, I think I'd be a great doctor. Yeah, you would. I know you would. You would put people at ease. You'd put people at ease, but you t- you tell it like it is. You're actually very good. I think people are surprised when they find out that you can like tell it like it is because they might not think that about you when they first meet you, but you do it in like such a approachable way that like you'll put people at ease even if you're like, yo, you got mother effing queenitis and there's no cure. But I'll, I'll hold your hand and kiss you on the cheek. Oh, my God. <laughs> wow. You're that kind of doctor. I'm a love doctor. <laughs> Paging love doctor persis. Oh, my God. Imagine I was a love doctor. You should be. Should I apply? Apply for what? Marina, is there such thing as a love doctor in Poland? Do they need one? <laughs> Oh my god, also, sorry, I know that you're about to give some serious advice, but like, I would love to go to Poland, so if you want Girl on Girl to come to Poland, like, like we've always said to all of y'all, buy the ticket and we're there. <laughs> I don't think they love us that much to buy our tickets. You never know. That's true, you never know. Just kidding. If you want us to come, <laughs> buy the tickets. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay, what very serious advice do you have for Marina? Okay, so my advice for sure would be I always think that you can't lose with honesty. You know what I mean? You being honest, I really think will be so beneficial and so helpful for you. I know at least for me, being in my workspace and being very honest with people about my sexuality and it wasn't a lot of work. It was really more like we would talk about dating and I would always bring up women bring up women and then eventually I started posting things on my public channels and it was I'm bi and then I'm gay and everything. So everything was already out in the open, but I do feel like having those open conversations and being vulnerable in that sense 
it did allow for some opportunities for me where people would ask me certain questions about pride campaigns or they they'd come to me for advice because they're like we obviously know you're in the community i want to hear your perspective so for you marina i actually really do think just owning yourself and being like this is just who i am i'm still a human you don't have to go into too much detail i'm not saying like you need to detail your dating life lives your life your partners anything like that you don't need to do that. I think it's something as simple as being like, I identify in the LGBTQ community. You don't have to go into specifics if you don't want to. I do find like the culture at my work is very different that I think, you know, it's marketing. I feel like you, I definitely think I get more personal than maybe the average person would in their workplace. So I think you can do it in a way where you're not not being yourself, but you're still being yourself, if that makes sense. You don't have to give too much detail enough to make you feel comfortable that you're not going to like lose your profession over it. You're not going to lose your job. Um, but I think the most important thing is just stay true to you. And I'm sorry, pardon my French, pardon my Francais, but <laughs> what other people are going to think. <laughs> and please do not succumb to societal norms of, you know what, I'm going to be with a man because it just looks more acceptable. It's more socially acceptable. No, no, no. I literally beg of you. I'm on my knees begging. <laughs> she really is. Please don't do that because you need to live for yourself. Do not live for other people. I know you identify as bisexual. So if you if you do meet a man and you you guys are feeling if you're if you're doing that, I am more than happy for you. But same. Don't don't do it because you feel like you have to. If you know, if there's women you still want to explore, you're more attracted to women, do it. I just think that's the most solid advice I could ever give someone is do not live for other people. So you're not going to lose your job if you, oh man, maybe I shouldn't say that. Well, I think one thing that that I I kind of want to say, it like we can never say whether what's going to happen in your career. Like, we can never say that for certain. We don't know, and neither do you. But I think it's pretty clear in today's day and age that if you're openly queer in your workplace and you get fired or discriminated because of it, it's not going to fly in the workplace. If a patient discriminates against you and says, finds out you're queer and says, oh, I don't want to, I don't want care from you, the way I see that is like, okay, then they're not going to get amazing care. I kind of see that as like, that's the patient's problem. And I think I'm not, I'm, I know that's easy for me to say, and it's not going to be, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough to have that kind of thing happen if it happens. And you're going to feel othered and you're going to feel upset. But I think at the end of the day, workplaces are really starting to progress. And I think it's more safe now than it has been in the past to be to be honest. But I think just like Persa said, just do whatever you're comfortable with. I think like even if you accept your bisexuality in every way, but you just don't want to talk about it at work or you don't feel comfortable talking about it at work, that's fine. If you're not comfortable with it, that's okay. Like don't ever do anything that makes you feel unsafe or uncomfortable. At the same time, I can't echo Persis enough. Like, do not shy away from this incredible part of you that is so clearly there and it's so clearly true. But that doesn't mean you need to, like, shout it from the mountaintops in your workplace. Like, do whatever feels comfortable for you. And I think as you get older and more comfortable with your sexuality and more comfortable in your career, it might come later or it might come right away. Whatever feels best to you. Honestly, just go with that. I love that you backed me up, Sarah Sarah, and that is what we do at Girl on girl. Listen, I got your back always. And Marina, we got your back. So if you come out as queer and anything happens, just call girl on girl because we will jump on a plane to Poland so freaking fast you have no idea. Yeah, I'll come to the hospital. I will come to the hospital and I will cause some some ruckus. And when they hear girl on girl spewing facts, I mean, how can you not... Just believe these silky smooth voices coming through the airwaves, like telling you how it is. Like you're gonna just automatically be like, oh, they're right. Yeah. They'll be like they're they're throwing facts, left, right, and center. Up boom, and down. Boom, boom. And the last thing we'll say to you, Marina, is you are incredible. You are brave. You are um so cool for reaching out to us and asking for us to talk about this. We're so happy you did because we 
learned a whole bunch and I can't imagine how many people listening are going to find like find value in this conversation um and good luck with your career I think it sounds so exciting um no matter what you do I'm sure you're going to be great at it but medicine is a really exciting field and it takes a lot of smarts that I don't have and a lot of dedication that your girl also doesn't have so god bless you yeah me neither we're we're very proud of you we're very dumb and no, but we'll come to smart, Poland everyone repeat after us we are smart we, are smart. we, we is kind we is beautiful no she doesn't say beautiful she says we is important oh that's even better we is we smart is we is kind <laughs> we is we is important listen repeat that to yourself anytime you're feeling doubts exactly no doubt about it no doubt oh whoa. you said that with so much confidence i don't know what that was but i liked it because gwen and blake just got married they're on my mind oh yeah 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 i saw that okay we love you guys love you guys and i love you sir i love you <laughs> i thought you said that with so much like you said that with a lot of like uh, emotion emotion yeah. yeah it is true i love saying i love you i know it feels so nice every time because you're like it's just the truth it is it is and we should all say we love each other more like say it say it oh my god you want to know something kind of funny before we get into in case you missed it i'm just gonna oh, tell you yeah so i've been so obsessed with Bene- benefer oh yeah 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 like literally kind of obsessed because i think their story is so cute yeah. And um, I decided to listen to J-Lo's song, Dear Ben. She has a song called Dear Ben? Yes. <laughs> like on an old album? The whole album is dedicated to him. What? Yes. What's, what's the album? Okay, the album is called This Is Me, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> <laughs> it's already, it's already my favorite. <laughs> this is me, dot, dot, dot. Oh, this is me. Dot dot dot. Then yes, look this at the me, look at the then. titles of the songs. They're it was all dedicated to Ben. Still loving you. I'm glad the one, dear Ben. All I have, Jenny from the block. Again, she was in. Which she was belong- in the music video. Oh yeah. Oh my god, baby, I love you. <laughs> you belong to me. Yeah, I like them together. I I love a rekindled romance always. Me too. And I was like doing, because they were like such a hot item back in the day, like back in 2002. There was something about them where I was like, I was reading what JLo would say like years later. And she was always mm-hmm. like, I will always love Ben. I love Ben. I think just at the time when we were dating, there was so much pressure on us with the media. It kind of yeah. made our relationship suffer where I was like, you guys were just torn apart and now you're back together and then i listened to dear ben and was dying it's so funny it's such a funny song but oh my god i'm gonna listen to it after this listen to it you're gonna and let me know what you think please okay sarah sarah should we get into in case you missed it we should let's do it let's do it um i want you to take this over so In case you guys missed it, on July 13th, The Trevor Project released a new research brief about non-binary youth um, just in time to celebrate International Non-Binary People's Day on July 14th, which by the time this episode comes out will have already passed, but we are celebrating already because we love our non-binary friends. And what this research brief found was that 26% of the sample of 35,000 um, youth, LGBTQ plus youth, identified as non-binary. Um, and an additional 20% said that they weren't sure or were questioning if they were. So that essentially means that one in four queer youths currently identify as non-binary, according to this Trevor Project. Wow. Brief, which is like huge. I think non-binary is still something that like people are our age are like, what's that? Or like, I don't get it or whatever. Um, which as we say on girl on girl is not a bad thing. It's just a matter of being educated and talking about it and listening to non-binary people talk about it. But, um, I think it's kind of cool that like 
queer youth is like, yeah, hell yeah, I'm non-binary. And if they didn't identify as non-binary, then they said that they weren't sure. They were questioning, like, what what their gender was. Interesting. And it says here, 33% of those who identify as non-binary reported using pronouns such as they, them, and 5% of them reported using neo-pronouns such as Z and Zem. Yeah, I think it's Z and Zem. Cool. Um, yeah, I just think, like, this... this was really cool to read. Um, but it also wasn't outrageously surprising to me. Like, I think that the generation coming up right now is just, they they have seen this stuff going on. They're much more open to it. They're much more willing to explore who they are, their gender, their sexuality, all of it. And so the fact that so many queer youth are like, yeah, I'm non-binary. I think, I think it's like, I think it's going to just increase from there, it feels like. Like, I feel like more people are discovering what gender means to them and deciding that that they don't apply to anyone gender. It's incredibly inspiring. And I'm very jealous that I wish I grew up in, like, a time... Like, I wish I grew up with those types of kids. Yeah. You know? just It just makes life so exciting. Yeah, because there's more possibilities. I think that's all it is, right? I think people get scared of a lot of this gender stuff. People get scared of like non-binary. People get scared of trans. And I think it's because they feel that their gender is being threatened or something. But I think you got to flip the switch on that and see this as a major possibility. Like the, the options are endless. Like people can be anything they want to be. And that's something to celebrate and be excited about. There's nothing to be threatened. There's nothing to be, there's nothing saying that being a man is bad or being a woman is bad. But why not allow someone to be neither? Like why not? And I think that clearly queer youth are recognizing that. And just to clarify, this study was done with LGBTQ plus youth not like all youth mm, okay love it i love <laughs> that'd be crazy one one fourth of all youth say they're non-binary i mean that that's would, a world i want to live in that is a world i'm moving there probably not on <laughs> earth so let's go <laughs> jump in my rocket ship <laughs> jump in my rocket ship we're going but yeah this is very progressive and i think um definitely something really nice that we wanted to also highlight for non-binary awareness week which yes like we said by the time this epi comes out well, it won't be that, but it should be a non-binary awareness week every week. Every week. And also just talking about non-binary awareness, Demi Lovato, who, as you all probably know, if not, Demi now goes by they, them. Those are their pronouns. And Demi posted something. Well, Demi has been posting like a ton of great content just about, just to educate people on what it means to be non-binary. And I really love what they posted the other day, which said, if you misgender me, that's okay. I accidentally misgender myself sometimes. It's a huge transition to change the pronouns I've used for myself my entire life. And it's difficult to remember sometimes. As long as you keep trying to respect my truth, and as long as I remember my truth, the shift will come naturally. I'm just grateful for your effort in trying to remember what means so much to my healing process. I thought that was something that needed to be said, you know, like a lot of people who get all nervous about pronouns and stuff just feel like they're going to get attacked if they get the pronouns wrong. And I thought it was so powerful for Demi to say, if you if you get my pronouns wrong, that's okay. It happens. Like as long as you're trying, like, you know, missteps happen. And sometimes I forget that now I go by they, them. Sometimes I forget that my whole life I've you know, told people I was female, but really I didn't feel that. And now I'm healing from that. I just think it was cool to, it was cool to see that from, from Demi, from someone who does identify as non-binary. I think it's beautiful because it is okay. And I think that's why when everyone's getting so sensitive about people getting angry and they're, they're worried they're going to say the wrong thing. And they're so confused about saying the wrong gender. And I don't know, for me, I was always like, as long as you're respectful no one's going to be perfect, right? I totally misgender people, you know? Not on purpose. It's just, it, it just takes some time, right? Like it, it sometimes takes time and you just have to correct yourself and be like, oh, sorry, now they go by they, them. That's going to be a learning curve. But yeah. as long as you're respectful, because there's a line between being disrespectful and doing it on purpose. 
Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I think the keyword with what Demi posted was trying. As long as you're trying. And as and I think um I don't know if you saw this, but Lizzo, did you see the thing with Lizzo? Yeah. Lizzo so, corrected a paparazzo. Lizzo was somewhere and she was wearing a shirt that had Demi's face on it and the paparazzo was like do you have anything to say to Demi? Like, what would you want to say to her? What would you want to say to her? And Lizzo just like points at the paparazzi and is like, they, 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 and keeps saying it until finally the paparazzi's like, oh yeah, they, like it, I wasn't even like mad at the paparazzi. I was like, that's kind of a perfect moment of someone just like not even, probably not even thinking, just like saying her, which of course they should be more thoughtful, but still, and then just having like, people in the world who are going to support you and keep trying to bring your truth to the forefront, right? Like Lizzo being like they, and you know, that video went viral and like, that's going to make a difference too. So I think like, um, do what you can to like, keep non-binary people supported. Oh God, completely agree. Couldn't agree more. And let's keep it going. Let's keep it rolling. They hate it. Patrolling and trying to catch me riding dirty. dirty. Trying to catch me riding dirty. dirty. Okay, I love you, Sarah Sarah. Love you, PP. <laughs> <laughs> Never call me that again. Sorry, that just came out and it felt really, really <laughs> uncomfortable to say. Call me Percy Buns. Percy Bunsy Bear. You know I'll always call you Percy Buns. Thanks. <laughs> love you. Love you. Bye bye. Dear Ben. <laughs> let's let's play dear ben as we roll out that actually be really funny that'd be funny i just can't control myself i can't be with no one else it seems i'm addicted to the way you like to touch me <laughs>